Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Today is not just our first Sunday, our communion service. I hope that uh, you've got the text and you've got the update and that you have your cracker or your piece of bread, unleavened bread or that represents the body of our Lord Jesus and you've got some juice, unfermented juice just sitting there waiting for the portion of the service at which we celebrate the Lord's Supper. I am so excited this morning. Woo. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you to our executive pastor, Pastor Ron. If you are a part of our body and you have not heard from either one of us as yet, don't take it to heart. We are trying very hard to make calls and send emails and send out texts of encouragement to every one of you. And if you haven't heard from us, it's not because you're on the naughty list. It's because our hands have been full with not just church responsibilities, but our own families, our own lives, uh, just a lot of things, as you well know, happening in this season. But I would like to take a moment. Uh, Tuesday the 5th is uh, National Teachers Day. And in the midst of the change in how we educate our children, it's been very tough on all teachers out there trying to move the same atmosphere that you have given in classroom to an online platform is no easy task. And we as a body want to say thank you to every teacher out there. We celebrate you. We celebrate our first responders. We celebrate our police and we celebrate our army. We celebrate our reserve. We celebrate every one of you that are putting our doctors and nurses putting your life on the line. We celebrate you this morning. Could you give yourselves a hand? We will give you a hand. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I believe there is a word for the house this morning. If there's been a, a Martha kind of family member that has been piddling around the, the kitchen and doing other things while trying to hear from God, I want you to... Uh, move from where you are at home and, and, and impress on them the importance of receiving from God in this moment. Uh, uh, to, to let them know that, that God, the intention of the heart 
is shown in the behavior of the body. And so if God's word is in the number one spot in your life at this moment, leave whatever else you've been doing, settle in. We will break into the word. There is a word for the house. There is a word for God's people today. I would like to read uh, what is an extensive portion of scripture. It's 15 verses, but it's not going to take up too much time. It does give us a background to what God is saying this morning. Father, your word is already blessed. Your word does not need a blessing. It comes blessed. God, we are the ones who need our ears blessed. We need our minds blessed. We need our eyes blessed. So that what your word is saying in this moment, we will receive. Father, I'm asking right now that you touch each of us from the crown of our heads to the sole of our feet. Touch me especially as the oracle, as the, 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 the giver of the word this morning. That I must decrease and you increase. Let you let your person, let your personality, let your character show and let your people be touched by the word that you've sent in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Genesis 45 verses 1. Then Joseph, I'm reading from the end New King James Version. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood before him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. I want you to keep that in mind. That's important. Verse six. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity or a future generation for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh 
and the Lord of all his house and the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine and behold, your eyes and your eyes and the eyes of my brothers, Benjamin, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry, bring my father down. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck, verse 15. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. After that, his brothers talked with him. I want to give a very direct title to the message today that I believe is God-given and I believe it is for now. I want to call our message today, Don't Let This Famine Wreck Your Faith. Look at someone that is sitting next to you and tell them, Don't Let This Famine Wreck Your Faith. Come on, come on. You're sitting at home. This is your faith builder. This will, this will start something of a faith drive within you. Don't let this famine wreck your faith. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Don't let this famine wreck your faith. In some areas and every season of our lives, there will be times of famine, severe lack, and sometimes total loss. And when it happens, pain and grief will be the result. It cannot be avoided, rescheduled, or disregarded. It's a part of life. And only the only influence you have comes from how you deal with it and who's helping you through it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English reform Baptist preacher from the 1800s said, in highly influential areas, he had a very strong presence among Christians of varied denominations, among whom he was known as the Prince of Preachers. And when speaking of grief and pain, from his own experiences, he said, and you may need to write this down because it is profound, it has blessed me. 
He said, my dear friend, when grief presses me down to the dust, I worship there. My dear friend, when grief presses me down to the ground, I worship there. He died at the tender age of 57, but not before also saying, I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. I have learned in my life, through all of the tests, through all of the pressure, I have learned in my life to kiss the waves that throws me against the rock of ages. Whew. These two quotes were passed on to me by one of the highly valued encouragers in my own life. I call her Mama Marion Acreage, of whom I've witnessed the results of taking broken things to Abba Father. She said to me, son, every time I've gone into my worship place, my secret place, with grief and pain, I've come out revived, refreshed, and refueled. My God. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Whenever I have gone into my secret place, my worship place, with, with pain and grief, I have come out revived, refreshed, and refueled. Thank you, Mama Acreage. It just so happened that she is echoing King David, a man whose heart for God was second to none in the Bible. And he also said the same thing in many different ways. Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, somebody needs to get that. Somebody needs to be feeling that. He said in Psalms 18 and 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. Somebody needs to say that to themselves this morning. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Ah, that, then he goes on beyond that in, in Psalms 37 and 2. And he said, uh, the, the, you know, I, I was once young, 37 and 25. But now I'm older. And I got one message for you. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. I don't think we need more than that. But I will continue. The historic background of what I read as our text 
in Genesis 41, 6, we learned that Joseph was 30 years when he was made the overseer, the second in command in Egypt. Since he was 17 when he was sold into Egypt by the Midians who bought him from his own brothers, envious brothers at that time, that seems means that he was 13 years total in Potiphar's house and prison. We know Joseph was in prison for two years because chapter 40 of Genesis tells us about the servants of the king whose dream Joseph interpreted. The first verse of chapter 41 tells us that two years passed after that event before the king himself now had a dream that Joseph was called to interpret out of jail. So Joseph lived in Potiphar's house for 11 years until his deceiving, conniving spouse told a lie on him and he was thrown into prison for an additional two years. According to biblical timeline, he was 39 by the time his brothers came to the first time, came for the first time to Egypt to buy food. And in the second year of the continual famine, famine at 41, when they came back two years later to buy more grain, this is where I began to read from. Where he sends and says to all of his brothers, come back. I want to see you. And if you don't come back, I'm going to keep your youngest brother, Benjamin. It took them two years to get back to him. But they had to because he told them, don't come back without your father. So he keeps Benjamin, keeps another brother, and then he says, don't come back without your father. And this, the text this morning, is the unfolding of that, that meeting the second time of all of his brothers coming together and being in his presence, him knowing who they were, but them not knowing who he was. We must understand that whoever saw clearly, whoever saw clearly was the guiding force in and through Joseph's life. Whoever saw clearly, whoever saw clearly the driving force in Joseph's life, you need to see it now. Because none of what we're talking about in this story will not make sense to you unless you know the force behind him, the person that led his life. Genesis 41, verses 15 and 16 says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have heard 
or I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand dreams. To interpret it, that's all fine and good. But listen to Jacob's, Joseph's response. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give you, Pharaoh, an answer of peace. Look with me at Genesis 41 and 37. We got a follow-up to the previous verse. And it says, so the, the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the spirit of the living God. The foundation of Joseph's life was his connection to God, to Jehovah. And even after he had gone through this horrendous series of events, something in him said, hold on to your faith. God's got it. Hold on to your faith. There's a, there's a relief coming. Uh, I've got three sticking points that are connected to our text this morning. And I want you to go in with me as we unfurl them. Number one, if you are a born-again believer and a Christ follower, you must know this without a shadow of a doubt that your pain and grief is never ever wasted let me say that again if you are a child of god if you are a christ follower if you have been born again nothing that is painful nothing that is grievous Nothing that is frustrating and causes a level of anxiety that rushes you, pushes you back to God is never, ever wasted. As a matter of fact, you can almost call it a down payment on blessing. Your famine Somebody needs to hear this because I've just shifted into the prophetic. Your famine will not finish you. Your famine will not finish you. Your famine will not finish you. Listen to, to verse 6 of our text. It says, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve 
a posterity, a future generation for you in the land and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and the ruler throughout all Egypt. This famine will not destroy you this morning. Whatever your famine is, some of us are dealing, yes, with the devastation of the coronavirus. And it is causing famine, not just in our health, if you have been hit with it and got sick, but, but for others that haven't got sick. It has now created famine in our finances. For others, it has created famine in our jobs. For others, the famine has come from the disconnection of family. You can't visit, you can't hug, you can't touch, you gotta be sick feet apart. You can't fellowship. There is famine happening all around because of this attack. But I'm here to tell you, this famine will not finish you if you are a child of God. If you are a born again believer. If you have accepted Jesus as your savior. The famine will not finish you. God wants to use it to elevate you. Woo, bless God. Hallelujah. Nobody knew but God that all of these series of things that happened to young Joseph at 17 years old, his envious brothers selling him to Midianites on the way back from home after their fathers gave them an assignment. And then the Midianites selling him to Potiphar, an Egyptian uh, 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 commander or leader or wealthy person within the governmental frame. And, and, and there he stayed and served and, and to, to Potiphar's hand and foot and did everything. He was the, the, the head honcho of Potiphar's home until now when he thinks, okay, I've been sold into slavery uh, I, I have gotten into this house. This feels like a blessing. I've never lived this way at my father's house, but now I'm in Potiphar's house and now things are going good. Just when he may be, might have been thinking that, something comes into the mind of Potiphar's wife and says, well, my, Mr. Potiphar is not home a lot and I'm lonely. Brother Joseph looks like a good candidate to keep me company. And once again, he is pushed to make a decision as to whether he has been put in this place by God or whether or not he doesn't know God well enough to believe. Thank God he knew his Savior well enough to believe in high morality, in righteousness, in pure living, in, in setting an example that is biblical, knowing wrong from right. And so when he was on the attack emotionally, when he was on the attack to, to commit adultery and fornication, he said, no, I will not defile myself. I belong to God. I might be 
a prisoner. I may be a slave. I may be in a place that is unfamiliar to me, but I am still a child of God. I am still a child of God. I am still a child of God. I am still the apple of God's eye and my fate will sustain me. Because of this, of course, he was thrown into jail, wrongly accused. And for two additional years, after being there for 11 years, he's back down at the bottom of the basement. He's back down at the very bottom of of society. He's in jail with all the other riffraffs. But God had a plan. Can I tell you again that wherever your famine-like situation is taking you, God has got a plan. Wherever your famine-like situation has taken you, God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. The famine will not finish you. Look at someone that is sitting next to you or by your side or walking around in your living room and tell them the famine of our land will not finish me it will not because I trust in God B the second point that I want to share with you is if you are born again believer a Christ follower don't be anxious or afraid of the chaos and confusion This famine that has descended upon our land called coronavirus. Don't be anxious or afraid of the chaos and confusion of this famine that has descended upon our land called coronavirus. Because God has already set silos of grain and storehouses of relief for you. Let me say that again. Something is pushing you to the point of anxiety. Something has been tickling the fear side of you. I am here to tell you, push back in the name of Jesus. 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 Do not let the chaos and confusion or of this famine called coronavirus to cause you to be in a place of untrusting relationship with God. God is your refuge and your strength. A very present help in times of trouble. Ooh, bless God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 It, it, it was in a time like this, we have just experienced, a lot of my friends have said to me, I cannot believe we are here when, when, when our economic position was the best it has been in over 30 years. 
that, that, that we were, we were back on, on the top again. We were, we were flying high. For, for many, that, that's, there are many people who didn't experience that, but there are many who had. And so they've said to me, man, I'm telling you, I cannot believe this has happened to us. Everything we gained uh, uh, a few years ago that took us to such a secure place economically has now been lost. What is happening? Can I say to you this morning, that will be your fear if you don't understand that it's God that is guiding your life. It's God that's got control of your destiny. There's no coronavirus attack. There's no lack of money or loss of job that will keep God from elevating you. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. God is already preparing silos Houses of relief. Places full of abundance. Favor unlimited. That you can't see right now. But you and I have to be like Joseph. That your faith in God needs to be stronger now than it has ever been. Your stand on the promises of God needs to be more secure and more riveting than it's ever been. Your confidence in the ability of your God to bring you out on the other side, unscathed and unscarred, is the promise of your God. He goes into Egypt. And on the turn of a dime, on the turn of a dime, DJ, on the turn of a dime, God will change your situation on the turn of a dime. On the flip of a dime, God could take you from bottom to top. I'm telling you right now, God can take you from, uh, from outside to inside. God can take you from insecurity to security. God can take you from, from below to above in a flip of a coin. If you only believe God, there is nothing that is happening in your life. If you are a child of God, if you are born again, if you are spirit filled, if you know God personally and you have been spending time with him there is nothing that is going to surprise God about you he already has it figured out can I encourage you to do something it's the same thing that Mother Acreage said to me it's the same thing that Dr. Spurgeon said, when I am in the dust, that is my best place to worship. That is my best place to worship. It is my greatest opportunity to give God praise. Don't be caught with a dry mouth and nothing to worship about when you're on the attack. 
It is the devil's plan to give you a dry mouth when the attack comes. It is the devil's plan to give you a dry mouth when the circumstances don't look good. It is the devil's plan to give you a dry mouth when life has been turned upside down. But I say to you, your victory is in worship. Our victory is in worship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let it, don't let it, don't let the famine wreck your faith. Go on, tell somebody that again. Don't let the famine wreck your faith. I will not let famine wreck my faith. I will not let the famine of Corona wreck my faith. I will not allow the famine of lack of finances wreck my faith. I will not let the famine of, of illness wreck my faith. I listened to Dr. A.J. Bernard, uh, Yes, uh, two days ago, and he was one of the first nationally known pastor, A.R. Bernard, <clears throat> that was ill with the coronavirus even before they started quarantines. They'd just begun, A.R. Bernard, and he, he knew that something had gone wrong. And he said, he said, as he went in, he went in, his, his son couldn't even take him in. His son had to drop him off at the front door of the hospital and someone came out, took him in, and said, you can't come in. And he went there and they had him sitting up on his bed. By that time, he started feeling some, some, some pressing on his chest. Tough, hard to breathe. They put him on oxygen, didn't put him on a respirator. Just give him some oxygen. And as he sat there, as the child of God that he was and that he is, he said the adversary kept attacking his mind because there were people who came in to the hospital, to the emergency room after he got there. He said he sat on his bed and watched them wheel people in who were talking Lying on their beds, on their gurneys, talking, or sitting up on their gurneys, talking as they were going in. And, and some of them, within an hour of getting there, talking, the nurse was rolling them back out with a sheet covering their face. And he kept saying, Lord, I'm ready, whatever your will is. I'm ready, whatever your will is. We are believing God for deliverance from every single famine situation in our lives. But, but, but even if, like Job said, even if, even if there is not the, the kind of deliverance that you are waiting for, that you are praying for, that you are trusting for, happens to be absent from this body is still to be present with the greater than I am. His name is Jehovah. The devil cannot steal your victory if you're a child of God. If he makes you sick here and God heals you here, you've got victory on this side. If you get sick here and you don't make it here, but you open your eyes over there, you've still got victory because now your eternal living is with God himself. You cannot lose. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. 
Somebody needs to hear me this morning. Somebody needs to hear me. I said, number one, if you're a child of God and a Christ follower, you must know without a shadow of a doubt that your pain and grief is never wasted. God never wastes pain and grief in the life of a believer. You need to get that and put it in your mind and tuck it away and then find the word of God that supports it because God's word supports it. I said, number two, if you are a born again believer, a Christ follower, don't be anxious or afraid because of the chaos and confusion that this famine that has descended upon our land is bringing. Because God has already set you up with silos and houses of relief that are coming that are coming, that are coming, that are on their way, that you just have to stand your ground. And when you've done everything you can do to stand, keep standing. Because God will not fail you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for no reason, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God. Which passes. Which is over and above. All understanding. Will guard your heart. And guard your mind. Through Jesus. Do you see. What he says there. Then say, we'll guard your body. Your body can go and come. It doesn't matter. Your body is not eternal. God wants to guard the thing that is eternal most of all. He said, I will guard your heart and your mind. Your spirit and soul, I will guard. I will guard your emotional state. I will guard how you respond. That you will not react when the attack comes, when the famine presses in. You will not react. You will respond as a child of God with worship in your heart. The last point that I want to share with you of encouragement is you and I are the apple of God's eye. A Christ follower your future is looking great. You need to look at someone next to you and tell them. You are the apple of God's eye. Your future is looking great. You are the apple of God's eye. Your future is looking great. You are the apple of God's eye. Your future is looking great. God brings you out of your famine, your place of lack, with a great attitude of worship and no regrets. That's how you know. This is how you know you're heading in the right direction. That whatever you're going through, yes, it's painful. Yes, it feels like, like why I, I was praying the other day and I said it to God. I feel like him and I are, are, are I've got, you know, we've got a kind of a closeness going. I can be a little more open than I've been in the past. And I, I was praying and I sat there. Matter of fact, I was in church. I was sitting there in the dark and I said, God... How long will you allow the righteous to suffer with the wicked? 
I'm trying my best to be like you. I'm crying out for more of you. I'm asking you to bring me out, to heal me, to keep me covered. But I feel pressure coming. I feel money pressure coming. I'm seeing people around me as I take care of my affairs falling left and right around me. I'm hearing the stories of believers that are under pressure and I don't like it. Lord, how long will you let the unrighteous suffer with the wicked? And he says to me, it's not your call. Let's talk about you. And I want to say the same thing to everyone that is listening. It is not your call. Let God talk about you. It is not your call what he's taking or not taking someone else through. Let's just talk about you. Let just you and God have a conversation about why you're going through what you're going through and how you will maintain your integrity as a child of God in the eye of famine. Deuteronomy 32, and I'm ending here, says, 32 and 10. He found, and I have put, it has him in there, and I've replaced him with you. He found you in a desert land, because we're talking about now. Yes, God found him then, but we're talking about you and I now. So you can put your name there. You can say me. He found you in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled you. He instructed you and he kept you as the apple of his eye. Can I say that your God can't fail? Can I say that your God can't fail? He just can't fail. He just can't fail. It may look like it's not going right. It may look like you're on the losing end. It may look like everything is going to pot. Everything is falling apart right now. But thus said the Lord, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and death, and I know when your purpose has been fulfilled. The devil can't take you out unless God says it's time for them to come home. This morning, I encourage you once again. I encourage you once again. I encourage you once again. Don't let this famine we are in a time of famine. We are in a time of famine. We are in a time of famine. We could all feel it. We are in a time of famine. National famine. Just like Joseph was. But just like how God had everything planned. He knew that the famine was coming. God knew Corona was coming. God knew Corona was coming. God knew your financial stress was coming. God knew your health scare was coming. And I am telling you right now, God has provided a silo, a room, a house of relief for you. And that place is worship. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to come down from heaven. I'm going to see what you're going through. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to make a way. That's the word of God. That's the truth. And the truth of God's word trumps all of the facts we hear. Bow your heads with me. We're going in this morning. We're going to thank God in communion in a few minutes because we understand that our faith is not going to be trumped by fear. Our faith is not going to be bamboozled by anxiety. Our faith in God will not be uh, capsized by what the devil is doing out there. We know in whom we believe. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. If you could guide Joseph from this seemingly unsurmountable situation, events that came back to back to back to back to back and looked worse every time, and still you managed to take him from last to first, from bottom to top, from down to up, then you could do the same for us. And so we trust you this morning. Come on. We trust you this morning. We trust you yeah, when we cannot trace you. We trust you when we cannot see upstream. Because we know, God, that you are always working upstream. That you are always working upstream. That you are always doing the impossible to protect your people. Father, I thank you for your word that has gone out and somebody is growing their faith as we celebrate communion we put our health we put favor and blessing before you and we're asking for these things in Jesus name we thank you for the word amen Pastor Ron would you come and lead us in our communion service. Thank God for his word. Father, for the body and the blood of our Lord, we thank you. We thank you that it was shed for us. Lord, that it still gives life and health and strength today. Bless as we partake together this morning. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. I'll serve. Thank you, Father. We're going to receive the emblems of the body and the blood of Jesus. If you will, just hold that for a few moments, and we will partake together. Even those that are at home. One of the things that God's Word encourages us to do at a time like this one right here, where we're partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus, is that we are to, we are to examine ourselves. We are to examine ourselves so that God can show us if there are things that are not pleasing to Him, that we might be clean and pure from everything 
that is anti-God in this world. Father, would you help us just now as we examine ourselves for a moment, Lord, show us, show us things that need to be repented of and turned from. We want to represent you well in this world. Help us today, Father. Cleanse us. Cleanse us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Paul said, I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body which is broken for you. Shall we partake together? After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Take it. Take it from me. Shall we partake together? May God keep you. May God revive you as Mama said. Refresh you and restore you. May God revive you, refresh you, and restore you. May God revive you, hey, hey, refresh you, and restore you as you worship him. At home, in the car, on your job, in the midst of turmoil, may God restore you, refresh you, and revive you. as he did in the life of Joseph. We thank God for you this morning. We appreciate you coming in and staying with us, worshiping with us, being a part of this awesome time with God, enjoying times of refreshing at the assembly. Thank you so much for being our guest for participating, for singing with us, for giving to God's work, for everything that you do. Join us on Wednesday night at 7 for Bible study online and may God's light shine upon you.